your hour of drive time begins now with your host, Jay Mamie, on the Jay Mamie Talk Show. Good day, everyone, and welcome once again to the Jay Mamie Talk Show. This is Jay Mamie, and you have now entered your hour of drive time. I want you to know today's show is going to be absolutely phenomenal. You have arrived at the right place at the right time, my friends, and if you are looking for a place to go to every single week for quality content. When I mean quality, guys, and we've been on the air now over three and a half years, and I got to tell you something, I'm amazed, even as I sit back and I go through the program, of how week to week the quality of the content, the quality of the guests, the individuals that are now making their way onto this program just continues to get better and better. And I hear that from many of you who feedback, uh, who provide feedback through either emails or or messages uh, on Facebook, on LinkedIn, Instagram, which, by the way, I appreciate that. I keep coming. You continue to confirm and affirm that what we're doing is bringing value to you. I know it's bringing value to the marketplace. And today we're going to add another episode to the library of fabulous content on the Jay Mimi Talk Show. Today I'm going to share thoughts on, and my subject matter expert, which I'll announce in just a second here, I'm going to share thoughts on how do you become memorable in the marketplace. Now, whether you are in a uh, a job, uh, you are working for someone else as an employee, but you have the opportunity to make yourself distinct in a very good way from others. Or if you are an entrepreneur and you are looking to find your voice in a crowded space where people can know you above your competitor, or if you're a business that is offering services in the marketplace to the community, uh, locally or globally, but yet you are also finding that it's a crowded space. How do you make yourself memorable? What do you do? How do you find your voice? And once you find your voice, how do you keep your voice and continue to expand it? I can't tell you the many times I've had conversations with others who struggle in this arena. They find themselves frustrated because they're looking for a way to separate themselves from the crowd and, and make themselves uh, the go-to person for whatever service or product that they offer. Well, well, <laughs> guys, understand that's probably the crux of every single person in business, right? How do you make yourself memorable? And unfortunately, I know many never make it. And that's why they fall by the wayside. They give up, they quit because they find themselves uh, in this saturated field and they cannot carve their own way to make a name for themselves. Well, we're going to address that today. And I got to tell you something. I'm excited about those that are going to be addressing that because they've done it. They've made their name, their brand very distinct, very memorable in their respected fields. One of my guests, Brian Covey, is not only the founder of Covey Holdings, but he's also the executive vice president of Revolution Mortgage. But he is one of the top rated podcast host of his weekly podcast show, uh, a very popular show that uh, I've, I've tuned in. Uh, to myself, finding your competitive edge. He's also the sought-after speaker on publications like Forbes and Entrepreneur Magazine, Housing Wire, because he shares his his insights on how to successfully build a seven seven-figure passive income stream uh, by making yourself memorable. And he's doing that. He's going to be with us today. He's going to share his insight. And boy, does he drop nuggets all over the place. But on the heels of Brian, we also have another legend in the world of sales and marketing and branding. Someone that has become the go-to person as well. Scott Schilling is not only an international speaker, he's a communications expert. Uh, he's the founder of Schilling Sales and Marketing. One of these guys that has grown up uh, really at the tutelage and at the feet of some of the best known names in the world of sales. We're talking about Bob Bodine. We're talking about Zig Ziglar. Scott Schilling brings that, that generation of knowledge to our show today. And he's going to also help us understand what do we do when our ability to communicate and speak to make ourselves memorable. We've got a fantastic show, guys, today that I'm so jacked up to have you here and be a part of. But I want to finish off this first segment with just a few of my own thoughts. I want you to know that I've been in business 30 years 
And I can tell you that you're no better than the guy who does the same thing. If you're in a room where there's others who offer the same service, if it's a networking event or if it's in a presentation setting, if you are just one in a bunch, then you've got to learn how to make yourself memorable. In other words, how will they remember you? They've heard 10, 15 people. They've met five or six different individuals who do what you do. How are they going to pick you out of a crowd? If you don't figure that out, if that's not something that you work very hard on achieving, then you very well could fall short on all of your effort. Because the best efforts in the world, the best product, the best services won't do you any good if no one knows they exist. You could write the best book in a, a true, genuine book of, 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 of quality, a book that brings value to the marketplace, to the reader. But if no one knows you wrote the book, then you're just one of a million authors out there. So learning how to become memorable is critical. And I want to give you some things now that will help you become memorable. I want to share with you this. It's not what you say, but how you say it that matters. Oftentimes, I find novices and those that are struggling with making themselves distinct in a marketplace, they think that a title is going to do that, that somehow they got a, they have a fancy title with some fancy uh, uh, tagline to it. And as a result of that, people are going to be attracted to what you do. Well, I tell you something, that means nothing. I had a guy once come up to me and I asked him, um, I said, uh, you know, I gave him my name. I said, what do you do? And he says, I'm so-and-so, I'm a bank. <laughs> I said, you're a bank. I'm a human being. <laughs> I said, you don't look like a bank. You look like a human being like me. It took him a second to realize that I was I was making fun of his answer, not making fun of him. And then I took him to the side and I said, listen, man, I understand you are you offer banking services, but you're not a bank. You're a human being and you're not making yourself in any way, shape or form positively memorable because I'll meet a banker right after you. And what separates you from him? Not very much other than you gave me an answer that was uh, kind of awkward. It's not what you do in so much. It's not what you say in so much. It's how you say it. And not only how you say it, but how do you make people feel when you say it? Do they feel that you know what you're talking about? Do they feel like they can count on you if they have a problem? Do they feel like you're going to bring them hope and solutions or they feel like they're just meeting another guy or gal who's carrying a card that looks like everybody else's card, right? Or website, like everybody else's website. Make yourself memorable, not only by what you say, that's important. What you do, that's important. But how you say it, how you deliver it, and how you make people feel, and the energy that you leave behind. And that's one way to make yourself memorable. Guys, we got a fantastic show ahead. Boy, I can go on a, on a roll with that topic, but we're going to let our experts share their thoughts, and we're going to do that right after the break. Are your emotions leading your responses to situations, or are you living a life where all your capabilities are in balance? This is Randy Bowles, the Coherence Warrior. With disciplined behavior of less than 10 minutes a day, I live more efficiently and effectively with inspired actions. Let me help you learn how to use your heart's intuition to guide your brain to lead your mental, physical, and spiritual capabilities to higher levels for longer periods of time. Visit CoherenceWarrior.com and I look forward to serving you. Hi, this is Jay Mamie. As a lifelong fitness enthusiast and professional bodybuilder, I know the importance of removing impurities and flushing out toxins to maintain a healthy colon and intestinal system. This is why I take and recommend Renew from First Fitness Nutrition. It also has helped me replenish my probiotics, which is necessary for a healthy gut. Learn more at healthyfriends.firstfitness.com. Welcome back to the Jay Mamie Talk Show with your host, Jay Mamie. Welcome back, everyone, to the Jay Mamie Talk Show. Having a fantastic conversation as we're about to start. I mentioned early on in the show, this was going to be a show dedicated to helping you become memorable. How do you stand out in a crowd, whether you are in a crowd of others that look a lot like you and, and have the same sort of uh, industry or skills that you have, or whether it's in school or whether it's, it's somewhere in a social setting, how do you stand out from the crowd? How do you make yourself memorable? 
because as we live in an echo chamber of many messages that pretty much are regurgitated and sound the same, oftentimes you will get lost in the crowd if you don't present yourself in a way that makes you distinct. And as a result of that, people remember you when you return, uh, when you follow up or try to reconnect with them, they'll remember you. So how do you do that? An expert in that field who's a top-notch executive coach, one of these guys that if you look up in a library of legends of coaches, you're going to find Scott Schilling. He is one of the most individual, one of the thought-out individuals in the world of expert uh, of coaching. He's an international speaker. He's a communication expert. He's the owner of his own company, Schilling Sales and Marketing. And he has run the gamut with all of the top other speakers globally for the last three decades or more. He's here to share his story, drop some nuggets of wisdom. Scott Schilling, Welcome to the Jay Mamie Talk Show. Thanks, Jay. I'm honored to be here, Scott. Before we dive into all of the goodness that we're gonna uh, that we're gonna share with our audience today, because you're the expert in it, and we're gonna have a chance to really drop some some serious knowledge bombs for those that want to improve their ability to communicate, stand out from the crowd. How about we take just a few minutes to get our listeners up to your story and why? Quite frankly, uh, and I don't mean this in any uh, in any way other than the, the reality of it, uh, being a legend in this industry. Get us up to speed on that. Well, thanks, Jay. You know, when I was going to uh, the University of Iowa playing football, getting my Bachelor of Business Administration degree, I was going to graduate at a time where there are, were no jobs. So I also became a licensed life insurance agent at age 18. Hmm. Now, I did that for one, re well, for multiple reasons, but the main reason was to get face-to-face -face personal communication ability. In other words, to learn how to talk to people. Now, fortunately, because of that, I came out with seven job offers at a time when most people got none. Wow. I, I went into corporate America. My dad worked for the same company for 46 years. That's the pattern I saw, right? Mm -hmm. Now, what was good about that is I is I was fortunate to rocket to the top of that company and you know, everything from a sales person to a national sales trainer, sales manager, a divisional manager. So I got some great uh, corporate experience. And then I know you'll find this hard to believe corporate America changed mm. and uh, it changed in ways that I didn't want to be a part of. So I went out on my own and became a consultant. So I had a, a little different learning experience. And then I was helping companies pioneer products and launch products because messaging is so important. You've got to get the message out to the field. And uh, it came about that I felt like I could serve more people if I went out and really became a professional speaker, trainer, coach, and author. And so for the last 20 some plus years, that's what I've been doing. So I could share more messages, help more people, and help them get their messages out. Scott, in, in all that, that rich experience, let, let me ask you this. You've seen flaws. You've seen areas where people excel in. Let's first start with the flaws. Uh, I'm, I'm being the, uh, the fact that you started when you were 18 years old in insurance, I come from that world, Scott. I got to tell you something. It's tough enough to be in that world when you are 30, 35, and 40 and have some life uh, experience behind you to bring to the table as you're having those conversations with individuals, but at 18 years old to dive into the insurance world, that says a lot about how confident you were in yourself. And then obviously your ability to communicate uh, a message uh, to others successfully. So in that long career, where do you see that those that are trying to communicate a message, either about a product or service or just about who they are, what are the flaws that you find that are common among those individuals? I think the major flaw, whether it's actually selling, presenting a product to sell, mm -hmm. or quite frankly, you're always selling. Uh, it's just whether you frame it in your head that right, way. Right, right. Uh, even if you're providing a message, you're selling. But I think the number one flaw consistently is people overcomplicate the process. It's really only four words. Identify, problem, provide, solution. Mm -hmm. And far too many people uh, try to provide a solution way before they even know what the problem is. And if you do it out of order and you don't, uh, people just don't feel like you really care mm -hmm. if all you're trying to do is take your solution and jam it down their throat. So that's the number one thing that keeps people from being successful. 
when you see that people do that, and I've seen it also. In fact, the reality is today on social media, if you're on LinkedIn and you connect with someone, they are already soliciting a solution without even knowing what your problem may be. And it it's awful, right? So when, when you see someone go down that road, um, what would you say, and obviously identify the problem, but in terms of having uh, a sense of emp- uh, empathy towards the person, um, so they're not automatically listening to a problem, then ro- robotically responding with a solution. What is the subtle way to be a great listener a great, uh, uh, not only just listener, but someone who really can empathize and resonate with the person's problem. And is that something that happens quickly? Uh, or should there be a time or process before they can give the right solution? Well, the reality is it can help and happen quickly. In order to be a great listener, the first thing you have to be is a great questioner. That's right. Good and that's what, yes. that's what most people don't do. It, see, when I meet somebody, I'll say, I'll open up with a variety of different questions. What's new and exciting in your world? Mm-hmm. Or if you could improve one thing in your relationship with your kids, what would it be? See, people will tell me exactly where I need to go mm-hmm. as long as I ask them and then I listen to their answers. Too many people are preset on, you know, I want to present. I want to present. I, I've got the answer. I've got the solution. Well, you don't have the solution because you don't know whether they need it. Mm-hmm. If they need it, they'll buy it. If they don't, they won't. When you're working with corporations, you do a lot of speaking with, with companies. In fact, your forte really is that corporate space for, for the most part. Mm-hmm. You get hired because the company is having challenges. Uh their sales force is having challenges in getting the, their products uh, sold or, or really just sh- sharing with the marketplace how valuable their products are. What are the first few things that you you share with a corporate environment about how to get that uh, those sales numbers up uh, when you're there? Well, it, interesting. What As you were saying that, what a uh, past client popped into my head. And they were putting on, you know, when I sat down with the vice president of sales, he goes, we're amazing at putting on new customers. We put on 2,200 new customers a month. And I said, so you put on 2,200 new customers a month. How come your numbers are going down? Mm. And he said, well, we lose 1,700 customers a month. He goes, so what are you going to do to help us get more customers? I said, the first thing I'm going to do is I'm going to shut the back door. And he goes, what are you talking about? I said, I'm not going to help you get new customers. It doesn't seem to do any good. What I'm going to do is I'm going to keep you from losing existing customers. Mm. And by doing that, naturally, we will grow the business. Then we'll be able to add new customers. So sometimes people's problems aren't what they think they are. Mm. You know, I've got to sell more. I've got to sell more. Well, if you can't deliver or or you keep on losing customers, yeah, that's why you're in this you know, this uh, churn and burn of selling mode. But -hmm. the reality is, if you would just have some customer service etiquette along the way, it would be amazing what you can do. And that's actually where the empathy comes in too. Mm -hmm. How can, you know, you can go in and say, how can we serve you better? What could we do to make it? In fact, one of the greatest two question surveys I've ever found is if, our goal is to be a 10. Well, how would you rate our service today? Mm-hmm. A seven. If it's anything less than a 10, what would make it a 10? In other words, just go ahead and ask them how you could be better. And many times you plug that into place and it's amazing what happens. You know, it's, it's funny because it's one thing to add on clients. It's a whole other ballgame to retain them. So it's an attraction and retention play because you're going to attract people all day long. But if you don't retain them, you have to refill that bucket month after month after month. Exactly what you were talking about. Yeah, so, you're just always chasing them. And that's no fun. That's a great word. You're chasing. You're constantly chasing as opposed to maintaining and serving. There's a difference, right? Yep. There's a big difference. So from a memorable standpoint, um, where would you say as because as, you are big on networking as well. I see you at different networking events. What are some of the etiquette skills that you would would embrace others to take when they want to become memorable 
uh, either coming out of a networking event, coming out of a sales presentation, making a presentation where they're memorable. What are some of those tactical ways that someone can become memorable to whoever they're presenting in front of? Well, one thing is go into that setting with the goal of being interested as opposed to interesting. Mm. In other words, it's about them. It's not about you. So it's a positioning thing. Another way of doing that is always tell the second story. Mm. What I mean by that is find out about them first and then uh, tell your story. The, the the biggest thing is people do business with those they know, like, and trust. So That's my right. encouragement to people is assume that if they don't know you, they don't like you. They may or may not like you, but just assume they don't. Mm-hmm. And if they don't like you, assume they don't trust you. They may or may not trust you, but assume they don't. Well, they have to trust you to do business with you to, to move forward in any situation. People date those that trust them. People marry those that trust them. Mm-hmm. People get divorced from those that don't trust them. It's about <laughs> trust, you know? So the reality is a divorce in business is called a lost customer. It's it's mm. really no different. People do business with those they know, like, and trust. You first have to get people to know you, then like you, then trust you. And once trust is built, then you have the opportunity to do business. That's a major problem with so many people today because they don't have the communication skills to build the trust Mm -hmm. in the first place. Quite frankly, they don't even have the communication skills to get people to know you and like you. (laughs) You know, they don't know what to say to to attract somebody into their world. Speaking of communication, I'm glad that we're segueing into that. Because from a communication standpoint, you could know or have in your mind what you want to say, but somehow be troubled in the way that you express it. Uh, And I've always told people conversation is not communication. Just because you're having a conversation with someone doesn't mean that you're actually communicating a thought properly where they understand clearly what not only your motive is, Uh, But what your agenda, what the expectation is, oftentimes people don't communicate well because the expectations aren't set clearly enough for two people to walk away knowing what each other expects of each other. So what do you say um, to those that are struggling with the ability to become more uh, effective communicator, whether or not it's speaking in front of a group? Well, I think the the biggest part is understand communication. And there was a great study back in 1977 by Albert Maharabin, a professor at UCLA, on nonverbal interpersonal communication. Now, the numbers may be different today or whatever, but the concept is sound. He came out with a study that said 7% of the communication is the words. Mm-hmm. 38% is the tonality behind the words. is the physiology behind the delivery and tonality of the words. So people, you know, wordsmith the heck out of things to try to get the right words, but then they, you know, they don't present them very well. So if I said, oh gosh, I am so excited here today, (laughs) you know, the tone beats out the words. You know, if you're happy, tell your face, you know, enjoy what you're doing, right? You know, and so the fact of the matter is that there's got to be a congruence between the words you say, the way you deliver them and and the physiology behind it all. I mean, if you're excited about your product, be excited about your product. Mm -hmm. You know, we we can solve your problem is a whole lot different than we can solve your problem. You know, I, I went to a chiropractor one of the first times I went to a chiropractor. He said you've got a subluxation, you could die. I was like, wait a second, that's a little incongruent. I don't want to hear that, right? Number one, I could die of something I don't even know what it is. He was Mm -hmm. way too excited. But if he said the same (laughs) words, you've got a subluxation, you could die. Well, it's the exact same words. It's, It's combining them in congruent fashion that makes the difference. You know, you, you hit the nail on the head, Scott. Um, I also tell people that it's not what you say, but it's how you say it that matters. Now, if you can 
uh, sort of pair it with with uh, the right energy and the right words, and you're it's a gold mine, and you gives each other your 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 ability to communicate communicate is going to be that much more effective if you can match the right tonality with the right words. And oftentimes, people either have the right tonality, wrong words, or uh, right words, wrong tonality. It's the marriage of both that makes you more successful than the ability to communicate and communicate where you actually fascinate somebody, where you intrigue someone, and then lead them to action. Say communication for the sake of communication, I believe, without leading someone to action, um, again, fell short. Uh, but let me ask you this. So you, I know that you've had years of interaction with some of the big names, Zig Ziglar, uh, um, Tom's, Tom's uh, Ziglar, Zig's son, Howard Berg, Bob Bodine. From all of these individuals you've met with and collaborated with and have shared stages with, let me ask you this before we wrap up. What would you say are the three golden nuggets, the three things you've learned from them that has made you better at your craft, but has also allowed you to really train others with deeper perspective as a result of the influence of some of these folks in your own life? Well, Zig Ziglar, uh, my entire mantra in life and career is because of Zig. And that's because I read See You at the Top when I was 17 years old. And there was Mm. a quote. You can have everything in life you want when you help enough other people get what they want. So it was a positioning statement. It was, uh, you know, just a foundational place in my life. So that's the foundation. You know, Bob Bodine has got an amazing book, The Power of Who, basically Mm. says everybody you need to know is within the 12 closest people to you. Mm. And it's true. I mean, Bob is absolutely a master. And Bob is, is the most unknown successful guy in the NCAA and professional sports, quite frankly. He's he's done more and accomplished more that people don't know about, you know, mm. so it's absolutely amazing. Just his his style of and humility behind doing it. So with Zig, it's it's positioning. With Bob Bodine, it's humility and it's just mm. being an amazing person that cares and loves. And you know, I think the biggest part is to truly, I say it a lot of times, sales or presentation is not an intellectual tactical process. It's a heartfelt, strategic, relational process. Mm-hmm. And so I encourage people to take the 14-inch journey from their head to their heart. Scott Schilling, you've been a, a goldmine brother. You are a gem of knowledge. We appreciate you. Legendary just scratches the surface on what you've done for others. We hope you come back to the Jay Mamie Talk Show in the future. Folks, we'll be right back after the break. I'm David Kazarian, president of Student Optimum Services and a licensed debt arbitrator. We have one mission in mind, to cut down the $1.7 trillion in federal student loan debt by as much as possible and help hardworking Americans just like you achieve financial freedom. Our process is not a settlement or a refinance. We are not a bank or a lender. We are on your side, and we go up against these lenders to get you on track for student loan forgiveness by utilizing programs offered by the Department of Education. These programs are available to you regardless of the school you attended, your employment status, or employment field. Over the past 13 years, we've helped thousands of borrowers save millions of dollars on their student loans. Student loan payments are resuming September of 2023, after being on hold for over three and a half years. So the time to take action is now. You have nothing to lose but your student loans. Visit www.studentoptimumservices.com slash to schedule a free consultation today. Are your sales lagging? Are you frustrated with your ability to effectively communicate the goodness of your product or service? Could your income greatly benefit from you getting better at selling? Hi, this is Jay Mamie, the host of the Jay Mamie Talk Show and the curator of the Thrive Sales Mastery Course. I want you to know that there are answers on how you can get better at the skill of selling. Go to my course, the Thrive Sales Mastery Course. Get the answers you need so you can experience the results you want. Thrive Sales Mastery. Have you been hurt in a trademark accident? Has a patent injured you? The awesome lawyers at Rosenthal IP Law can help. Kidding aside, your business could be hurt if a competitor uses a name or logo that is too close to the name of your business. Imagine losing sales to that competitor when a potential customer finds them instead of you. Or even worse, if a competitor wants you to stop using your name and change it. 
Your investment in marketing and manufacturing and the goodwill you've built with your customers could be lost if you are forced to rebrand or retool. Rosenthal IP Law has the experience and know-how to protect and strengthen your brand and trademark in the U.S. and internationally. If you are interested in learning more, contact me, Larry Rosenthal, founder of Rosenthal IP Law, on our website at rosenthal.law. No.com, just rosenthal.law, R-O-S-E-N-T-H-A-L dot law. Please note that this is not legal advice. Welcome back to the Jay Mamie Talk Show with your host, Jay Mamie. Welcome back, everyone, to the Jay Mamie Talk Show. In our house today, in our Thrive House today, we've got Brian Covey. I mentioned earlier on in the show, Brian has a broad, robust resume that really allows us to consider him not only a subject matter expert in the areas of leadership development, sales, uh, also in what I call branding and how do you market yourself, especially today's program is how do you make yourself different? How do you stand out in the crowd? How do you make yourself memorable? He's done that. But he's also a financial professional. He's the executive vice president of Revolution Mortgage. Uh, he's an investing pro. He understands that world. And him and I also share those that similar uh, career experience. He has his own rock solid top rated podcast, as I said earlier. And he's an author of his book, which we'll probably dive into that if we have enough time. But we're going to continue the conversation that we started earlier about how do you make yourself memorable? What do you do? What are those things that can allow you to recognize that there are actions you can take to separate you from a crowded space, from an, from the echo chamber? How do you do that? And Brian Covey is going to help us out with that today. Brian, welcome today, Jamie, Mamie Talk Show. Uh, let's rock and roll. Jay, thanks for having me. It's an honor, my friend. And we're, we're going to drop some wisdom on people from real life experience, both from sports, business, you know, being married 21 years, all these things. It's all culminated and I will share from the heart and what I've learned and help you is things that I wish I knew earlier in my life. Yeah. You know, it's funny you mentioned marriage because I I can tell you that there's an underlying thread uh, that overlaps each other when you develop certain disciplines of success, right? They're they're going to overlap, whether it's in relationships and business, uh, parenting, you name it, right? And I think a lot of times people they don't pay attention to those disciplinary habits that allows them to, to have good experiences in multiple areas of their life. They just focus on one. So maybe we'll touch on that a little bit. But before we do that, let's take it all the way back. Let's get our listeners up to speed on their earlier story of Brian and how he's come to be the legend that he is today. I'll give you the short version. If you ever want to Google and look up the stuff, you can see the accolades. But I tell people is, my story is probably like a lot of people of, I was the younger sibling. My brother was five years older. So I started on the soccer field, just chasing after him and his older friends. I had some amazing coaches, my dad being one of those, the biggest mentor in my life. And then I had a gentleman named Kyle Rote Jr. You keep up with soccer and you're watching Messi now, you probably Mm -hmm. know a guy named Pele. Well, Kyle Rote Jr. played with Pele. He actually coached at our church. So I have an unfair advantage to having great coaches and mentors and that'll be a common thread throughout my story and my life that was there. But look, when I became a teenager, probably um, like, like some may relate to this, is I gained a lot of weight. I was not eating very healthy, got into some things I shouldn't have been getting into at an early age, and I put on more weight than I needed. Fortunately, I had my pediatrician was also our basketball coach for AAU, shot me straight and said, hey, Brian, cholesterol, blood pressure, all this stuff, it runs in your family, not good. You need to lose weight. That started to develop my self-discipline muscle and my self-awareness of wearing two t-shirts to the pool, not being happy with the way I look, covering it up, being very insecure, but yet also being a great athlete. And for many people out there, I share that story because there's probably areas of your life, you're crushing it. There's other areas of your life, you go, I'm not crushing it. That was me. And I shifted my perspective in that season of, I wanted it all. I wanted to be fit. I want to be a great athlete. I want to have great friends. Didn't want to get in trouble with all that stuff anymore, but I want to have great relationships. And fast forward, that allowed me then to continue my journey, training the U.S. national team, got to serve with two different teams there and play a little bit, Um, got to train with the U.S. Olympic team a little bit, went on to play D1 college soccer a little bit professionally, and thought I was going to become a coach because truthfully, Jay, no one would hire me out of college. My resume read soccer, soccer, more soccer. No one would hire me. Right. (laughs) And so I worked part-time with my dad. I'm coaching soccer teams on the side. I did whatever I could do just to make some money and make ends meet. Fortunately, I fell in love with business, marketing, economics, finance, 
that just, for whatever reason in college, it got me excited. I would actually go study those courses versus some others. I ran away, went to a college job day because no one would hire me. So I just show up I'm like, maybe someone here, maybe. Sure enough, I got hired at a financial company and I was working in a very sexy strip center. If you can imagine, Chinese buffet, pizza buffet, <laughs> strip center. We're repoing cars that people can't afford. We're doing the 0%, no payments for car for there and also furniture financing. I mean, it's like, it, it's not glamorous guys, truthfully, right, right. driving 45 minutes one way. But I share all that with you because what I did though is I had a great coach and a mentor. I had someone that taught me credit income and assets. They taught me how to sell. Every day I was on a phone selling to people probably twice my age, convincing them to come mm -hmm. let this younger person who, by the way, they didn't know I was younger, tried to sound mm -hmm. better on the phone. Mm -hmm. And I learned skills that still to this day, yeah, those are invaluable skills. We all have Absolutely. to learn them. And so it doesn't matter where you start. It just matters what lessons you learn along the way. And that was my journey. And then, you know, two decades later, I'm still in the same industry and I'm diversified out and learned a lot. I've put into practice also with some failures and setbacks. And mm -hmm. I'm sure like many of us, just things that they didn't go as planned. You know, it's interesting as you're sharing your story about early on getting involved in, in this, this, this wacky world of finance, right? And, and a place that reminds me a lot of where I grew up in Spanish Harlem, the Chinese food and the jewelry store, and you can yeah. get financing here, maybe not all legal, but you can get the money. That's right. <laughs> right. Yeah. So that's a little my story. But you said something interesting that caught my attention, which was um, when I got started in the business, when I got started in entrepreneurial, uh, the entrepreneurial experience, it was, uh, I was 16 years old. And I started uh, doing taxes, small tax returns, 1099s for people in the neighborhood. In Spanish Harlem, you have the typical chains, the tax uh, chains that, that were charging more than I think the neighborhood folks could afford because we're all very poor in that neighborhood. So I saw an opportunity to learn how to do very simple tax returns, 1099s, easy returns, 1040 easies rather. Yeah. And uh, so I, I provided that service, but it was difficult early on until I learned the skill of sales and, and exactly what we're talking about today that here's a 16, 17 year old kid convincing 30, 40, 50, 60 year olds to do their tax returns, <laughs> right? I'm still in high school. And, uh, but boy, those are invaluable skills that you learn early on about persuasion and the ability to fascinate, intrigue and lead someone to action that you just carry those skill sets throughout the rest of your life. And they really parlay into a number of different things like you've discovered. Oh, it's huge. And I was blessed too. My my dad is a doctorate in psychology and taught at the local school oh, there. And as I had this unique advantage of having someone in the house that I've grown up with. Mm -hmm. And that psychology piece is an anchor point for me because I've always been fascinated by it. Even though I didn't continue that path, I've studied enough. And I still, just in my downtime, I had a conversation this morning, Jay, with someone, and we were just jamming about resiliency and the studies in the 1995s. And that came out just the psychology of how people operate. I'm, I'm still curious how people make decisions and, and who people are. You know, that's my background. So I, I have double major in psychology and behavioral science. Um, and I was on a, when I was on a podcast yesterday and they were asking me about my sales course. And I said, look, uh, what makes us unique and you, I, I include you in the us because we not only learned it from an academic standpoint, um, but we've learned it in the trenches. We learned it in the actual interaction of people day to day. It's one thing to learn stuff in a book, but boy, when you learn it in the trenches, that experience is way richer. And, and then you can combine it with the academics and you are thermonuclear, right? That's right. Um, and, and that's, that's why I appreciate you mentioned your father is a doctor of psychology, because that's something that I, I love, absolutely love. And you can learn a lot on how to leverage psychology and sales. Um, but let me ask you this. So here you are, you get into the world of finance, right? It leads you into the world of lending, but you're known as a guy who does way more than that. So at what point did you find your voice, right? Because when, you, when you're making yourself memorable and you're standing out in the crowd, you've got to find your voice. So at what point did you find your voice and, and what should others do to find theirs? Oh, man, I love this. And as I look back over my, my journey, you know, I was a bass player growing up. I, I played soccer. I played basketball. I loved hiking. I loved mountain biking. Like I had all these interests, you know, and I, I think about everyone I meet, they usually have a lot of different interests and it's hard for us to pin down. Like, what am I going to go make money in? Right. And it was find your why, find your purpose, find your passion, all this stuff. I had a lot of those. Mm -hmm. Like I could have gone, I look back, I could have gone so many different directions, but what I started to realize is 
There's no any one career that you're going to go every single day, 100% of the time. I just love everything about this industry. Mm -hmm. Let me help you. It doesn't exist. But what I started to realize is how much I did love pieces that were from my sports days that are in business, such as team building. I love attracting the best people to our team and coaching and mentoring them, just like I would an athlete today. And I love sales in the sense of building a relationship and helping people solve problems. It's the same as it was in sports. A great coach could work with you and say, hey, you know what? Your left foot's not as strong as your right foot. We need you to hit a longer through ball here. We need this. There's coaching that's happening throughout our life. And I realized if I could help enough people, the old Zig Ziglar quote, accomplish what they wanted to, man, everything in my world felt good. I felt like I was serving my purpose. And so I share all that because I still to this day have all these interests. And I coined myself as an entrepreneur with an entrepreneurial spirit, which really means I'm an entrepreneur in the sense of, yes, I've started some companies, but I'm not your traditional CEO that went out and just started one company. And that's what I do today. I've mm -hmm. actually served along very, very successful CEOs and companies have brought me in to say, hey, Brian, you fill this need for us. And a lot of people are out there today saying, hey, you got to go do your own thing. You got to do this. And that works for some people. I'm a little bit different. I have an mm -hmm. entrepreneurial spirit, but I'm okay being the number two, number three mm -hmm. person and bringing what my gifts are and making the team better. And so that's where I found my voice. That's where I started to realize that it's okay to be different. Like people want this different, like, mm -hmm. because not everyone can be the CEO. Right. Imagine if you had two CEOs, it doesn't work. So learning how to become a leader, but also allow yourself to be led is a skill that I think many people struggle with today. You hear most people, Jay, and they're like, well, I became a CEO because I didn't want to have a boss. That's a problem. Like, mm -hmm. while I understand that, the reality is you're also admitting in that somewhere in there that you're not coachable, that you're really not curious enough to try it different ways. And I'm not saying that that may not work for you, but what I am saying is, Consider the possibility of someone that's not only a great leader, coach, CEO, but what if you were also coachable and you could continue to grow? And that's what I found through my career and my voice amplified when I started to see people on my team, we would do things together and their success would go up and they go, Brian, this is awesome. We would do it again. And we started building these high performance teams, which then, by the way, became really our mantra and what we started to attract people because they would see what we're doing and go. I want to be part of that team. And so I started to share and document what I was going through. And, and really, Jay, about five years ago, almost six, I had a breakthrough of a mentor of mine. We just started to break some things down. I'm like, I've always been the number two guy. I've always promoted the company. And he's like, you need to start building your personal brand and build it for you. And it's going to amplify the company, but mm -hmm. people do business with people. No one's coming to your company because of the name on the door. They're Correct. coming because the people inside the building. I didn't make that click. It sounds really simple, but for me, it was just one of those moments. Then I went all in on my brand and said, okay, I'm just going to start sharing stuff. I don't know what I'm doing yet, but I'm going to start telling people what I believe, what we're doing. And that was the shift for me. And I'm still on that journey today of recognizing the gifts that God's given me, experiences I've been through, ups and downs. And who can I help? Who can I help along the journey is what I'm always thinking because- mm. They need where I am today. I needed myself five, 10 years ago to know what I know now. And so I'm serving the people really that I once was. You know, there, there's so much gold in what you just shared, and I'm going to try to digest it and, and regurgitate it in a way that I, I think will do it honor. You said something key, and I, and I want to sort of rephrase that. Um, every great coach was once a player being coached. Every great leader was once a great follower right? You, you cannot be a great leader until you first were a great follower because you, you're not going to, you're going to lack empathy. You're not going to really resonate well, and you're not going to be able to relate well with those that you are leading. So that's an excellent point. I think finding your voice also, you had the courage to not only find it, pursue it, but, but when you found it and you saw the opportunity, you had enough courage in, in yourself. You had enough faith in yourself to step out and start to create that brand, you could have said, hey, I'm okay being number two, right? And I think a lot of people, fear plays a big role in pursuing their voice. And then once they find that platform, taking action on it, I think they cower in the corner because they're, they're fearful that they'll fail. 
Um, and, you know, the unknown is, is certainly something that we don't do well with. So if the, if the known is being number two or number three, they're okay with that, right? You weren't. So finding your voice takes a lot of faith, takes a lot of courage. And most importantly, in your case, you said five years ago. So it took time. It took time. time, right? So for those that are out there and they're wondering, you know, uh, they're, they're unhappy where they are. They know they've got more to offer. They want to make themselves memorable. Number one is going to take time. Number two is going to take courage. And number three, you got to make sure that you, uh, you understand what value you bring to the marketplace. And when that door, uh, that opportunity opens, just go right through it, right? Just go right through it. Yeah, that, that's the journey is when I started to look at this as really as my personal development journey and, you know, starting the podcast, writing the book, coming on other people's podcasts, speaking, sharing my brand really was, was twofold. And, and I didn't realize how impactful the second part was, but the first part was really, I want to reach people that I wanted to do business with, right. That I, I thought would be great on our team that I wanted to be connected with, build relationships, build your network. I was like, that's the focus along the way. Then this gift was revealed to me of this is the best personal development course ever. Because mm-hmm. when you're going, you know, this is a podcast host, you're going on, you're listening, you're working on your active listening, you're, you're intentionally listening to people, you're prepping for things, you're learning this, you're getting downloaded, however many people you can talk to, like over 100 episodes, people downloading all of their experiences, and, and all of that is now part of you. Correct. Wow. Like what other, what other way can you accelerate your learning? And by the way, this matters, because who you're becoming and who you're attracting are correlated. If you mm-hmm. want to attract the best people in the business, then you should be the best because that's who they want to work with. And absolutely. Yeah, I'll tell you, that was the gift that I wish I had known all of that was in there. Maybe I would have started earlier, but I always mm-hmm. say it happened when it happened. And now sure. it's my mission to share that with other people of no matter how old you are, start that journey and, and really have that aggressive patience. I'll be aggressive in the daily activities, but be patient in the sense of results mm-hmm. don't happen overnight. They didn't happen for me that way. And I'm continually creating breakthroughs that I'm learning as I, as I continue to go along this journey. You know, I, I love that. And, the, and I want to pick up on sharing. Now you're sharing with others. So in the spirit of sharing, in, in your expansive um, career, and, and you obviously work with, with thousands of people, what have you observed are the three common flaws, the three mistakes that you see in young professionals, young go-getters, people like you and I were 20 years ago, what mistakes would they make in trying to get their name out there, trying to make a name for themselves, either in their business, if they're a self-employed entrepreneur, or in the corporate world, wherever they work? What have you observed are those flaws? Three of them, if you can think of them. Yeah, I'm going to start with coachability because Excellent. As, yep. as an athlete, you know, what I find is the people that are the most successful with us, it doesn't matter their age. I'm actually coaching and mentoring a 22-year-old right now. And I would tell you, he's one of the most coachable, pliable, um, hungry people I've ever worked with. And his mm-hmm. wisdom is beyond his years. But look at coachability. I've also seen that as a fatal flaw of people that have joined, regardless of their age, when they're not coachable, what you're basically saying is, I know it all. Mm-hmm. There's nothing you can share with me, nothing the world can bring into mm-hmm. my my kind of peripheral, it's going to change the way I think and what I believe. And the problem with that is then you never change and evolve mm-hmm. and take any great company, take Apple, for example, right? I know my wife's getting an Apple watch for our youngest kid and all this stuff earlier. We're talking Apple has continued to evolve. Like they didn't just, Hey, here's our product. 15, 20 years later, we're good. We're just going to rest on that technology and people are not that different in the sense of you have to continue to evolve. So I'd say coachability is there. The next one is, I'll get very tactical, is they speak way more than they listen because they're Mm -hmm. wanting to impress. And I know I was this way. As a young sales cat, I wanted to talk. I wanted to get everybody to believe what I'm saying. The more you talk, actually, the less impact you probably make. Absolutely. Absolutely. Active listening, um, intentionally listening would be number two. Mm -hmm. Because the more you listen, and I will layer that with the next part of that is, when you listen and then ask relevant, meaningful questions, people will give you the answers and what you seek. And even in sales, they will give you the problem and what is bothering them the most. Mm-hmm. If you ask enough of the right questions, they will actually solve their own problem. You're there just to guide them through. And so I'd say, number two, see that too often. The slick salesperson wants to just sell, sell, sell once there. Number three is building meaningful relationships for the long run. 
Mm. I can think about how many people came into my life and I was too young to really appreciate the value they brought in. And it's almost like, you know, when the student's ready, the teacher will appear. I think some teachers appeared before I was ready and I didn't even mm. know it. But mm -hmm. I can look back and honestly say in a very humble way, go, I just wasn't ready. And I missed an opportunity because I was not ready for that. And the same is true if you're aware of people in your life today that are bringing you value, they bring you joy, they bring you wisdom, they bring you experience, and they're willing to pour into you, be very grateful for that. Because that is not by accident. I don't believe that happened by chance. And the more you lean into those relationships, those could be 10 years, 20 years down the road, partnerships that you do, people that you're able to actually engage in other business opportunities. Absolutely. You don't know where it's going to go. And so I would say that for number three is don't think about transactional. Think about relational opportunities. Mm. And one of my best friends always says, look for people that want more for you than from you. Oh, I love that. I love that. Brother Nuggets, yet again, great, great three, three observations. Let me recap them. Number one, okay, by the way, all of them, as you're sharing with them, a lot of them uh, I've written about in my book. I'll, I'll share the correlation in a minute. But relationships, right? When you're young and you're trying to make a name for yourself, you forego the value of building a relationship because the person may not have done business with you when you wanted them to do business with you. And brother, you and I have been around in sales for a long time. And, and, and just this, this, like you said, down the road, they could be parlayed into something else, right? If the relationship was still uh, warm and, and genuine, but these sales cats, as you called yourself, <laughs> right? You know, if they don't get the immediate yes, it's a churn and burn deal, right? Okay, and, and they just forego that, that great person that maybe five years from now, three years from now, 10 years from now could have been, you know, and, uh, could have brought value to their life. They forego that relationship. That's a big mistake. Second mistake, you're right. You have to be, you have to be mindful of, of your pride. You don't know it all, right? And there's always room to grow and to learn. That's one of my toxic traits in my book that I write about. It's coming out soon. Pride is a toxic trait. And then the other one is to make sure that you have enough, um, that, that you give uh, your, your people enough time to, to answer the questions, listen to them, be more concerned about their needs than yours. And obviously in sales, if you're pursuing something, you're, you're very ambitious, you're going to be more interested in what you get out of it than what you give into it. And that's a problem. Hey, brother, we appreciate you being on the show. We're going to put all your information at our site anyway, and we look forward to having you back. Yeah, I appreciate you, my friend. Folks, this wraps up another fantastic episode of the Jay Mamie Talk Show. Until next week, keep rising.